All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. going everybody thank you for joining us on dropping the gloves on this nice monday morning tim thanks for coming on my man thanks for being here how was your weekend john weekend was great not even going to sugarcoat it it was great saturday my church had a little event we went out there the kids bombed around the campus and stuff and we did some grown-up stuff and then sunday i had my hockey game and that's always fun Bodies doesn't bounce back like it used to, Tim. I was actually just talking to my wife about this today. Knees are hurt. Hips are hurt. And I didn't even play that hard last night because it was a pretty easy game. We played a team that wasn't that good. So we had the game in hand after the first period. I think I had a goal and three assists after the first period. Plus four, we were winning four nothing. They, they were missing some players. They only had two guys on the bench. And then one of the guys left. His skates broke. And um, so they were, they were shorthanded to say the least, but I'm still sore. You know, the third period, I wasn't really getting the sweat that I like to get. And so I just started ripping down up and down the ice on my shifts. Wasn't even paying attention to the play. Just up and down the ice. I went, if, if the puck left our zone, I would skate as hard as I could to their zone. And then I would just circle back and then I would do it again. Every time I was on the ice. I think the other team made of that. They're just watching you doing Herbie's on your own headphones in. What's a Herbie? Blue line back, red line back, far blue line back, far red line back. From Why the, do they uh, call it a Herbie? Herb Brooks for Miracle. I, I thought that was thing. like a universal hockey term. Well, maybe not. No, I've never I, heard of that. I could have called him that. If you were, do you think that does Herb Brooks justice that that's what he's known for now? A Herbie getting bag skated? That's not what he's known for. He's known for the gold medal. He's got a bag skate named after him. A Herbie. A Brooksy. Sure. Herbie Brooksy. Are you offended? No, I don't. I, I've never met Herb Brooks. But um, yeah, it was a really good weekend. It really it was a nice weekend. It's um, our hockey team, our men's league team is coming into form. Jolly Pumpkin. We're, we're running into the issue now where at the start of the season, we didn't have enough guys. And so we did a little scouting, some recruiting, and now we're starting to maybe, maybe have too many guys. 
And so we come to the point where it's like, well, okay, what do we do now? Everybody's already paid. We got to start making some tough decisions. So I don't know what's going to happen. Playoffs roll around. Maybe we might have to shorten the bench a little bit and people, you know, feelings are going to get hurt. I'm okay to make that decision. So we'll see what happens. Um, but right. as of, as of today, we're winning and, and life is good for the Jolly Pumpkin hockey squad. Are you, are you going to also be the one to tell someone that they're not playing? Oh, yes. Make the yes. decision, but you'll, you'll look someone in the eyes and say, hey, you're done. Thank you. Without a doubt. That's, that's my role on the team. I think I am the, I, I ripped the bandaid off that that's, I enjoy doing it. Um, <laughs> I think if you, if you want to, you know, put yourself in that position, you got to be able to take the lumps that come along with it. And that's, that's what comes with, you know, the type of uh, type of player that I am, Tim, I, I want to be a leader out there. So there's a couple guys and they, they know it. I do like half hazard jabs at him every once in a while, you know, maybe, you know, maybe you're not going to get dressed this game, Dane, you know, an older guy and he gets it. Um, but it's going to, it's, it's, it's a, a difficult. Have you ever been cut from a team, Tim? Uh, no, but I have you ever been broken up with. <laughs> yeah. It's a tough, yeah. it's a tough situation. And, they know it's coming. I know it's coming. It's a difficult situation. You pay for the regular season playoffs is a different animal. There's a team in the league that is a perennial champion. You and I lounge, everybody hates them and I want to beat them. And I'll just be frank about that. And we beat them last game and they're still, they're still a little hurt about it. You know, they, they sent some text messages to guys on our team calling us non-classy. Why do you score that empty net goal? This and that. I talked about it last week on the show and it just fuels my fire, Tim fuels my fire. So it'll be a, I don't know how we got on this tangent, but if you're in Traverse city on Sunday nights, come on down to the center ice arena and we'll catch some good hockey. I tell you what, it's, it's not bad hockey. It's not bad. I'm going, I'm going on Sunday for sure. I won't find out what time it is. I won't be there this Sunday. Anyways, you know, you know, what's not good hockey right now is what's happening on the West coast. The Vancouver Canucks, you know, it's been a long time coming. We we talk about teams and we talked about like just the evolution. A GM comes in, he has how many years to put a stamp on a team. He hires the coach, he hires the scouts, he hires the staff, this and that. And then you get to see how good of a GM he is. Well, Jim Benning came to the Vancouver Canucks 2013, Tim, was it 2012, 2013? Yep. The Sedins were just, you know, in the tail under their career. So he got to experience the Sedin brothers a little bit. The Vancouver Canucks, their success was waning a little bit. They had a good five-year period where obviously they went to the Stanley Cup finals. They lost to the Boston Bruins in, in seven games. That was a very exciting playoff series. They were up three to two and Boston came roaring back and won game six and seven. That was the height of their success. Since then, they've just been trying to find that and they haven't been able to find it. And the hammer came down and it came down swift and much like in Vancouver Canucks fashion, it was just chaotic. There was no rhyme or reason what was going on. First thing we knew, Travis Green was fired Saturday night. That was good. It was just weird how it was announced. No one really knew what was going on. Then all of a sudden, it's like, well, is the GM fired? Is Benning gone? What's going on? There was a lot of confusion. All of a sudden, the GM's fired too. And they're just cleaning house. The assistant GM is gone as well. It was 
you know, I say this a lot. Successful teams start from the top down. You have to have a good owner who knows his role. You have to have a good team president and it's a trickle down effect. If you don't have that, you're, you're in very big trouble. Sometimes you can get a good coach that calms things down and you know, he, he writes the ship just the way that they fired their GM, Jim Benning, and they fired Travis green, their head coach. It was a complete mess. It was, it was really messy how they did it. They do it Sunday night, you know, no, no press conference, no formal release. It was just like a, almost like a knee jerk reaction. It's like, Oh, we just got beat. Oh, you're all fired. Get out, get out. You, you just, just go. I don't want to see you again. It was very strange. This, this was a long time coming. There have been seasons now with fans throwing their jerseys on the ice, calling for Jim Benning's head. We don't want Travis green here. We want to start all over. So the writing was on the wall, but just how they did the whole dirty deed. It was very, it was very Vancouver Canucks. So aside from that, was this merited? Was this the right time? It seems strange to me that they do it right now. If you wanted to make an impact on this season, wouldn't you have done this a month ago when they started the season? And it was like, you know, things aren't going the way we want them to go. Travis Green's been the coach for a few years now. Benning's been the GM. We, we have a good team on paper. We went out. We, we got some big name players, Oliver Ekman Larson, Connor Garland. They were supposed to make a difference, not winning. They wait until the season's a quarter of the way over. And now like the season's over. They could crush it for the next 60 games and still not make the playoffs because they dug themselves so big of a hole. And then they bring in Bruce Boudreaux. What do you, what do you think of this whole situation, Tim? You're, you're the guy in Vancouver. I know that. The fans know that. Our listeners definitely know that. You're an insider. What is, what's the feat and the people saying on the street in Vancouver right now? Uh, they're happy, especially Benning being gone. I don't think Green, ironically, was as as hated or, you know, they weren't as frustrated with him as they were with the GM. But it was time for both of them to go. Like you said, we had jerseys thrown in the ice. We had people booing the players. We had fire GM being ch- – or fire Benning uh, being chanted at the arena. So they were ready. They're frustrated. And like you said, it's such a good team on paper. It doesn't really make sense. Um, the team now is they're eight fifteen and two. They're in last place in what we've called the worst division. Um, and then not anymore, not anymore. We're not allowed yeah. to call it anymore. We a, a fan corrected us, and I appreciate that. They are not in the worst division. Okay, but they're still the worst team in that division. They're three nine and one in their last thirteen. They have the worst penalty kill in the league. It's uh, I don't know. It's it's. Like you said, they could they could kill it for the next five months and still miss the playoffs. It's crazy. It's not crazy. And you're seeing this throughout the league where that's why that Thanksgiving date is so important. That's why teams really jockey for position come Thanksgiving because it's hard to make ground, especially in today's NHL when you get points for overtime losses and shootout losses. It's very difficult to gain ground on a team. So if you're not in the playoffs by Thanksgiving, and we said it a few weeks ago, you're, you're, you're out of luck. 77% of the teams that are in the playoffs come Thanksgiving, make the playoffs. That's a big number, 77, you know, and if, if you're that far out of your Vancouver, 
they have 18 points. They play 25 games. They have to make up a ton of ground on a lot of teams. And it's just, it's not feasible. It, it happens every once in a while, once a year, the team gets hot and makes the playoffs and sneaks in. But when you're that far back and you're seeing it right now, and there's a lot of teams and well, I won't touch on it too, too much, but it's getting like time to press the panic button for, for a few teams around the NHL where it's like, all right, Colorado, like, let's go. I know you're starting to play well of late, but you lost to Ottawa last night. Like, let's go. Let's start showing some consistency. You're the Colorado avalanche. Let's, let's go. Cause if, if they continue to sputter, continue to play average hockey teams like Dallas that are playing better teams like Chicago that are playing better. Next thing you know, these teams will be nipping at your heels and who knows what happens when you come to the end of the season and there's 10 games left. Anything can happen. Boston Bruins, let's pick it up. Where are you? Like Tuka Rask might come back. We're going to touch on that in a little bit. Is that going to help? Who knows? And then you get to a team like the New York Islanders. It's like, what, what happened to that team? But let, I'm, I'm getting too you know, far ahead of myself. So let's stick with the Canucks. Is Bruce Boudreaux the right call here? Because it seems to me, and it frustrates me a little bit, but I also enjoy it. Is it just like the old boys club? It seems like Boos Boudreaux, Randy Carlisle, like the group of 10 coaches, they just get passed around. You know what I mean? Okay, you go to a team, you're there for five years, and you get fired, you take a year off, and you go to another team. Is there no new young coaches that can come up and fill this spot for the Vancouver Canucks? Or is it just like, okay, well, Bruce, he had one good season here six years ago. He still got it. Like, I don't understand the reason by bringing in Bruce Boudreaux. Bruce Boudreaux. Do you like this hiring or is it just, it, it's a head scratcher for me? Well, I think Travis Green was a player's coach, right? I think he was, you know, the, the guys liked him. I think Boudreaux will probably just bring a little bit more of um, structure and more experience. He's got, you know, a winning pedigree over the course of his career. I don't know. When the last, where he coached last? Did he, co- did he coach somewhere else after Washington? Probably. Did he coach the Wild? I don't even know. Yeah, um, yeah. I, when I think of him, I automatically my mind goes to the barbecue sauce on his face. Do you remember that? No. Twenty four seven thing. Me. Uh, the first, the first twenty four seven HBO did. This first interview he's on, he's just got barbecue and sauce in the corner of his mouth, and they kept it in. It's so funny, and. Uh, I, I just can't get that image out of my head whenever I hear his name. Yeah, Bruce has literally gone five years. He coached Washington for five, took a year off. Coached Anaheim for five, took a year off. Coached Minnesota for four, takes a year off. Now he's going to Vancouver. It's amazing once you get in that cycle. And I talked about it with Galchenyuk. Once you win in the NHL as a coach, people think like, oh, he's got something. And I think the mistake teams make is they overcorrect. And this is what Vancouver's doing a little bit where they say, oh, Travis Green, the players got too comfortable. He was a player's coach. The players aren't playing hard enough, and they're not. And that's rightfully so. Boudreaux, they want him to come in and be the, the military coach. We're going to lay the law down. We're going to be working hard. We're going to get up and down the ice and this and that and this and that. And he's a, a John Tortorella, the same mold as him. And it's like, I think you overcorrect and the players, are, their heads are going to spin because Boudreaux is going to want to come in and put his stamp on the team. And he's like, ah, you know, those days are over. I'm here now. This is my team. You're blocking shots and this and that. Do you honestly think Pedersen's going to respond to that? And do you think Boudreaux is going to come in and Pedersen's all of a sudden going to be like, oh gosh, I, 
this guy, I'm going to respond to him yelling at me. This is going to be great. I'm going to really turn it around. You think Hughes is going to want to play the game Boudreaux wants him to play? It's, I want Vancouver to be good. I do. They have a lot of good players. We, we've had a lot of guys from that team on the show. We've had Myers and JT Miller. So I don't see this really making a dent. I think Vancouver is who they are. We, we've talked about it at length of how I don't like Elias Pettersson, and you love him. You guys are like buddies. And I think he is a bad guy to put all your eggs in his basket just because he doesn't care. So is Boudreaux going to change that? We'll see. Hopefully he will, and they can turn things around a little bit. Usually you'll get that spike after a new coach comes in, the guys want to try hard, but then the real team shows up in about a week and a half, two weeks, and we'll see what happens. But too little too late for the Vancouver Canucks. Their season's over. We'll see how it shakes out, but they do have a lot of expiring contracts. They do have a lot of things to figure out this offseason. We'll see who they – have they hired a full-time GM or they just have that Stan Schmiel come in and take over as intern GM? He's just interim for now. Bedro got a two-year contract, um, but there's no full-time GM yet, which is usually a sign that there's no immediate roster moves coming. Um, I don't know that he's going to have like the ability to make like a major trade. Like Brock Besser is their biggest pending RFA, or is he a UFA now? I don't know. Um, but what is he's an he RFA? Traded? Does, does he go? Does he want to go back to Vancouver? Does he want to go make his money in the open market? We don't know. And well, and that's the, the, this is the, another thing with Vancouver. <clears throat> Usually the GM picks the coach. Usually the GM picks the staff. The GM builds the team from the top down. It's very strange where you slot in a coach first and then get a GM to come second. It, it's all backwards, what Vancouver is doing. I don't think Boudreaux was being sought after that heavily that they had to go out and, oh, we got to hire him right away. It's Sunday night. We need him in here now. We got to get him in here Monday. It just seems rushed. It seems just chaotic for for no reason. It doesn't have to be. You're you're out of the playoffs. Let Travis Green play out the season. You're a terrible hockey team. Figure it out. You know, now you have a GM who's coming in. He has to figure out what's going on. You have a lot of guys who you could potentially trade. You have a lot of valuable pieces that other teams would want. I would like to have a Brock Besser on my team. I would be very happier to get Connor Garland or a Tanner Pearson. These guys have proven in the playoffs. A JT Miller, he's a very coveted centerman. You can just slot him in on the third line, and he's very, very effective. So, I don't know. On paper, they have a very, very sexy team that I like. I like a lot of their players, but they just haven't figured it out. They haven't managed to you know, mold themselves into a competitive hockey team. It's too bad, but it is what it is. That's why you play the game, Tim. Moving on. Another team that's just, it's a head scratcher. It honestly is. You get a brand new rink. You, you're, you're solidifying yourself on the island. You, you had a great run here the last two years where you make the Eastern Conference Finals. You can't slay the dragon. That is a Tampa Bay Lightning. You line up this season. Tampa Bay is going to be down because they had to let a bunch of their guys go. The salary cap finally got them. This is your season. You have a New York Islanders. You bring in some players. You know, you get hometown discounts. You get Parisi to come there. Chara's there. And you're just horrendous this year. Like, I'm not even talking, like, kind of good. The New York Islanders, as it stands today, they're bottom five in the league. And we're, when, you, when we started the season... Every 
every talking head, every personality, every hockey fan, everybody had the Islanders making it to the Stanley Cup finals. Anyone who had any kind of brain in their head, it was their year. Tampa Bay was going to fall back. I picked Toronto to make the Stanley Cup finals. Maybe that's me. Maybe I'm smarter than everybody else. I don't know. But is this, in your opinion, the biggest fall from grace for a team ever? Because this is this is striking how bad they are. And yes, they play in a good division in the metro, Metropolitan Division. Tim, they have 15 points in 20 games. They they haven't won a game in their last 10. They're 0-7 and 3. 11. They, 11, excuse me. They are just bad hockey players. And this this is a team that has made the Eastern Conference Finals the last two years. It's not like they had a mass exodus of players this season. They brought guys in to make their team better. What is going on on Long Island right now? It's so strange because, like, I think of other examples, Montreal, you know, right, they, they made it to the Stanley Cup final last year, and then this year they're, they're pretty bad. But it's not as surprising. We kind of knew that they weren't as good as they were last year, year before Dallas. We knew they – we expected them to take a step back. Both those teams just got hot and lucky at the same time. The Islanders were not the case. Like, we thought this is a team that was earmarked for the Stanley Cup. They were finally going to, you know, beat those demons in Tampa Bay. Like, this is a good team in every sense of the word. And it just it doesn't make any sense. And, and during that eleven game stretch, maybe there's some there's some hope there because they played a lot of really good teams during that stretch over the last two weeks. You got Toronto, Tampa Bay, Minnesota, Florida, Calgary. You dig a little deeper though, they they also lost, especially in the the more recent side of that stretch, to some teams that aren't as good, like Detroit, like the Sharks, like the Blackhawks. Stop so, saying Detroit's not good. They're and Boston and Boston's good. Stop they're, it. Detroit's better than Boston. No, they're not. Yes, they are. No, they're not. They play five more games and have one more point. Who cares? not better. Boston could have 10 games in hand. They'd lose all 10 of them. Detroit's better than Boston right now. If they played right now, Detroit would win. Nope. No. You're crazy. You're Jack Edwards. Stop. Reincarnated. Stop. stop. He's trying to get a rush out of me. It's not going to work. No, I'm not. Um, Ruining our podcast. Speaking of the Islanders, <laughs> um, the offense is struggling. Only three players have five or more goals. Nelson, who's got nine, and then you got Barzal and Wallstrom, which is like uh, it doesn't make sense because this is a team that like was its its best part was the depth scoring that they had. They could score up and down the lineup, any line, go out and, and produce, and it's just it's crazy. Only one of their players is not a, is a plus. That's Pelic at plus three. Sorokin is, is playing pretty well for them, actually really well. He's got nine two five save percentage, letting, that, letting in about two and a half goals a game. But he's five, six, and four. So he loses two games for every game he wins. And Varlamov has not played well. I think he's 0-4 or 0-5 with the numbers not being good. So it's, the goaltending is not really the problem. Sorokin's giving him a chance to win every night, but they just can't do it. It's crazy. Yeah, it's the forwards. It really is because they have a good system defensively. They're strong defensively. It's their their forwards aren't producing. They're not clipping along at the same rate that they did, even half the rate that they that they need them to be. And that's the story. When your leading scorer has thirteen points, thirteen after you've played twenty games, like the that's red flags. I don't know what's going on. Barzal is playing terrible. Brock Nelson's been in, he's missed a few games, but he's not much better. So something needs to change there. The guys that they brought in have not made a difference at all. Zach Preezy looks every bit of 38 years old. Chara, he's got to go. 
It's not working. It's not. It, w- it was a good story. Andy Green, same boat. Like, it's just, it's it's time to maybe move on from those guys. You, you were expecting something from them. <clears throat> They're not getting it. Casey Zizekas has been out. I think that's been a big hit. He drives that fourth line. So that, that was a big hit. Brock Nelson's out again <clears throat> currently, and Ryan Pollock's out. So injuries maybe, but I think for the most part, maybe they read the press clippings. I, I don't know. Because much like the Vancouver Canucks, when the season started, you look at the roster that they have compared to every other team in the East. They have a really, really good team. Bolivier, he was dynamic last year in the playoffs. What's his name? Did I butcher it? Bolivier. What do I, what I, who cares? Like Wallstrom's a, a certified goal scorer. He's Pajot's, a, they bring back. Paul Mary, they have a really good team. They have some toughness in Ross Johnson. Clutterbuck gets up and down the ice. He still is very effective. So I don't know. I really don't know what's going on with them, but they're they're done. They're absolutely out of it. In that division, at this point in the season, they need to be looking towards next year. There is no chance that they get back into it. None whatsoever. Just because who are they going to overtake in that division? In all, in all honesty. Are they going to come back and take Pittsburgh's spot or Carolina or the Rangers or Washington? All four of those teams are on fire right now. The New York Rangers are playing absolutely lights out hockey. And I don't see them overtaking any of those teams. So it's too bad. It was a good story. It happens every year where a team comes in as a really big favorite and they just sputter. And I'm, I always managed to pick that team to win the Stanley Cup. This year I didn't, but I thought the Islanders would give us more than they did. And it's always the teams out east. You did, because I remember the Rangers a few years back, everybody thought they were going to be dangerous, and they they didn't do anything, and the Devils, and now it's the Islanders. So whatever it may be, the Islanders, it is what it is. You know what they need to do? They need to fire up their DoorDash app and eat their feelings. I've said this before, and I truly mean that. If you're upset, if you're sad, or if you're a little angry, eat your feelings. It's healthy. It is honestly the best thing for you. Talk to any therapist. When you get upset, eat your feelings away. It's the best way to cope with your sadness. To do that, you get your DoorDash app. You go to the Cheesecake Factory. Boop, 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 boop. Cheesecake, 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 cheesecake. Order them all. Get them delivered to your house. Buy DoorDash. So get there. You'll be happy for a little bit. Life will be good. You'll forget about all your problems. And you know what else? You can use our promo code GlovesDDUS if you're in the U.S. GlovesDD if you're in Canada. You get a little bit of a break on the price. You get free delivery. You get tons of junk food. And you'll be happy for a little bit. That's the way life works. You'll be miserable, you know, in, in an hour. But for that hour, <sighs> Super happy, super duper happy. So I'm going to text our promo code probably to Cal Clutterbuck, friend of mine. Maybe not a friend, acquaintance. And I'm going to tell him, get yourself some cheesecake, Cal. You deserve it because you're having a tough year. Get yourself some sugar. You'll feel better for a little bit. And just forget about how bad the Islanders are. Because, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel. And at the end of that tunnel, that light is DoorDash. So fire it up on your phone. Tell them we sent you. Gloves DD if you're in O Canada, my Canada. Gloves DD US if you're in the United States of America. All right. So let's let's turn the corner, Tim. Let's talk about a team that's maybe defying expectations, who really struggled to start the season. Who's kind of turned the corner a little bit? Who's can you tell me of a team, Tim, that's been uh, you know playing a pretty good hockey lately? Well, two weeks ago, we bashed the Dallas Stars. And this is when um the we? coach were Yes. 
when we were bashing uh, bonus for, for sitting that rookie that night and like they lost that night, they were skidding as a team. And since that episode, they've won six in a row. I like um, the bash brothers. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're playing really, really well during that stretch where they won six in a row. Four times, they only let up one goal. The other two games, they only let up two goals. So they're playing really lockdown defense. They're getting excellent goaltending from Ottinger and Holtby. Um, Hadobin seems to be the odd man out at this point, ironically enough. Um, they're playing really well. Pavelski is leading the team with 19 points. Did you see his dangle the other night? I forget nope. who it was against. Uh, he's like, yeah, thread of the needle, put it between the defenseman's legs, and I, I think he made a pass for the score. Really, really good. He looked like he was 25 years old. So this is a Fulton Reed, Fulton Reed, and Dean Portman. <laughs> Bash Brothers. Okay, which one are you? Dean Dean Portman. The bandana. You're Fulton Reed. You got the slap shot. I don't think is he the one with the slap shot. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. I just saw the Bash Brothers or Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire. If you want to go the baseball route. Do you think Mark McGuire will ever make the Hall of Fame? I think he should. So you don't care that he took steroids? You just they, not, they not all were. They all they were. All were? No. All of them were? Guys. Everyone. That's a bold statement, Cotton. Everybody took steroids. Not everyone. Griffey didn't. You just said they all did. What is it, Tim? Is um, it either everybody or no? <laughs> all right. So the Dallas Bonds. Stars. The Dallas Stars. Keep going. <laughs> Should I just say it again since you didn't hear it the first time? What did you say? <laughs> I just talked about them playing really well. You know what's interesting with the Dallas Stars? They have four goaltenders on their roster. They got Hudobin, they got Ben Bishop, they got Braden Holpe, and they got that Ottinger. It seems that they have solidified their goaltending. They're going with Ottinger and Holpe. What I've heard now is they're shopping Hudobin. Where does he land? Anton Hudobin is a pretty good goaltender. Do you see him landing in a spot for maybe a team that's looking for a veteran backup, making a playoff push, maybe a team like Toronto, maybe a team who needs some – they need help, but Toronto, Peter Mrazek's been in the lineup. He's been hurt. Campbell's been lugging the luggage a lot. He plays a lot of hockey. I don't know. They, very rare do you see a team carry four goaltenders. So they've, they've settled on those two guys. Ottinger's obviously the future. Braden Holpe. He came out of nowhere. He's been playing pretty well. Dallas is just, they're Dallas. You know, they're, they're not going to, maybe they will surprise us again. It seems like two years ago, they surprised us. Montreal surprised us last year. Maybe they'll catch fire and win some games and make the playoffs. I don't think they'll make the playoffs as it stands right now, but you know, stranger things have happened. I think Colorado pushes themselves into the, into the central playoff pitcher. But again, much like the Islanders, much like other teams, they dug themselves such a hole. And yes, they've won eight of their last 10, but they're still not in the playoff pitcher. They have a couple games in hand on Nashville, but we'll see. Stranger things have happened. That division isn't as strong as we once thought it was. The team I want to talk about, it's not on our agenda. The Minnesota Wild, Tim. I, I was kind of ripping on them a couple months ago. Not ripping on them, but I said maybe their their start wasn't was it seemed to be because their goal differential was pretty um, like I think they're a plus ten. Every game was a one goal game. They had a lot of overtime wins. They have been playing really really good hockey lately, and I want to focus on one guy. And I know people are going to think I'm a homer because we had him on our show, but at this time of the season, you start to think about why teams are succeeding. Like what, what is the, the 
key elements of that team. Why is Minnesota playing so well? I think it's Marcus Foligno. I really honestly do. They have a lot of good players on the Minnesota Wild. They have a lot of things to be happy about. You know, Kaprizov, he's living up to that contract. He's playing really good hockey. Ryan Hartman's been having a really strong season. Zuccarello is just rounding out that first line. But when you think of the Minnesota Wild, what what makes them tick? It's Marcus Foligno. And, and a play that just epitomized his whole season and how he is as a player happened this past week when they played the Toronto Maple Leafs. It was a big game. Two first-place teams in their respective division going head-to-head. Montreal comes out on top, or excuse me, Minnesota comes out on top eventually. I think they won an overtime or a shootout. But there, there was a scrum in front of Minnesota's bench, and Wayne Simmons was giving it to Greenway, and Dumba came in. Marcus Felina was changing. He saw what was happening. He steps on his bench, sees that Simmons is like kind of bullying his guys. He immediately gets off his bench, confronts Simmons, fights him. It wasn't like a great fight. It wasn't anything you're going to remember. But your team sees that, and your team responds to that. It was 0-0 at that time. It was a really tightly contested game. Minnesota came on. They scored the next three. Toronto came back. It it was a really game-defining moment for Minnesota. I think they saw Marcus stand up to Wayne Simmons. I was like, you know, this is our barn. I'm not going to take it. And he, and he takes on Wayne Simmons. It was, it was a really cool moment for Marcus Sweeney. When you look at what he's done, he's having a pretty good year. He's got 10 goals, six assists. It's not a lot of points, but for a role that he plays, that's a lot of points for Marcus Sweeney. It, that pans out to be what? How many points in the season? 60 points. It's a great season for him. He leads the team in hits. He leads the team in all, um, not block shots. What else does he lead the team in? Penalty minutes. He kind of does a little bit of everything fights he he fights all the time for minnesota when no one else they have a couple other guys who fight brandon duhamey fights a little bit but marcus is the guy who who kind of just stirs the drink for the minnesota wide much like brady kachuk does it for ottawa you look to him for energy you look to him for passion like how how the team is going is based on how marcus felino is going i think so we don't talk about Minnesota that often just because they kind of go about their business. They're, they're tucked up there in the Midwest and they're not a very exciting team per se. They don't have the characters that other teams do with the Toronto Maple Leafs or the Washington Capitals or these teams, but very, very quietly, the Minnesota wild have gone about their business They're 17, six and one. They got 35 points, which puts them right up there with the Calgary flames of the world. They're a really good hockey team. So I, at this point, I, I would say Marcus Foligno is the MVP for the Minnesota Wild. When you look at the whole total aspect of the game, more so than Kirill Kaprizov, you can get guys who can score points if you put them on the first line and give them power play time. I think Moose does a little bit of everything, and he's fit in perfectly with the Minnesota Wild on that fan base. What do you think, Tim? I do. We should bring him back on the show and talk about how well he's done this year. We should. We should. That's it. <laughs> you covered it all, man. All right. Well, let's move on. Um, the Olympics are around the corner. Teams are still trying to figure out who their rosters are going to be. They're trying to fill out the players. Wait, I have some breaking what? news. What? Just right now. Elaine Vigneault has been fired by the Flyers. He's out. Huh. Too little, another too little, too late firing. But Robin Lehner is going to be happy. Didn't he, rip, didn't he rip Vigneault? He did. Yeah. Speaking of Raman Lehner, he doesn't want to go play in the Olympics team. He doesn't. He he said, what did he say? He released a quote 
Break it down why Robin Lehner will not be playing in the Olympics this year for Team Sweden. Yeah, you tweeted this out uh, late last night. It's a great performance tonight on our team. Have to address, I will not go to the Olympics. I'm very disappointed, and it was a tough decision for me as it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Reality is that what has been said about how it's going to be not ideal for my mental health. So we talked a little bit about, like, if you test positive, what are the restrictions, what are the lockdowns? It's not look. It's going to be pretty tight. It's kind of undefined right now, and if he just knows that for his mental health, it's just it wouldn't be good for him. So um, he says Sweden will have a great team, and Markstrom's a beast. Hope people understand. Um, which I think is good. I mean, good for him to know that, you know, ahead of time, it's just, it's not good for him and, and to take him out of it, get rid of any rumors, get rid of any hard decisions that have to be made by, you know, the Swedish Olympic committee. It's just like, Hey, I'm just going to step out. He probably wouldn't have been the starter anyway. So I don't think he's going to, you know, cost them any games or anything by stepping out. Um, Markstrom's, you know, like a beast, like he said, and, and Linus Elmark's probably the next best goalie for Sweden. He's a pretty solid backup. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's cool to see an athlete talk about mental health and say, you know what, I, I, this isn't good for me. So I'm stepping out. Yeah. It's, it's a definitely a gutsy move to do that. It definitely, you know, shines a light on how important mental health is. And he's done that this season, which is good. You know, I, I think people don't see that. They just expect us to go out there and perform. I should, I, I'm including myself in them, but I shouldn't. But they expect these guys to just go, come on, dance, puppets, dance, let's do it. What's funny is he said it was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, but I, I think they do the Olympics every four years, Robin. So there could be potentially another opportunity for you. But um, that being said, it's all semantics at that point, but it's uh, good for him, you know. Shining a light on something that's very hard to wrap your head around if you don't experience it yourself. So good for Robin. He will be missed. So he's a good goaltender. Sweden could use him. I disagree with you where he would be the backup to Markstrom. I think if it's Lanner or Markstrom, they're splitting time or they're just going to go with who's the hot hand. He's not had a great season so far. Yeah. Um, but he's a, good, he's, has, a good, he's a good goaltender. Markstrom yeah. plays for the Calgary Flames. He's got a very, very good system in front of him. All right. So quick hits, Tim. Darnell Nurse. Coming back, Edmonton struggling of late. Good, bad, doesn't matter. Very good. Yeah, he had a broken injury last month. A broken, sorry, broken finger. Um, came back. He played pretty well. Scored a goal last night. So um, good sign for them. They still lost, but he's going to be a big piece of them moving forward for sure. The luxury of having, and this this goes along with everything else. If you play good the first quarter of the season, and we just saw with Toronto with Mitch Marner. You are allowed to have guys get injured. It doesn't affect you. You're 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 allowed to have a couple games skids because you've built this padded lead and you can kind of play that and use that in your favor where Toronto Mitch Marner collides with Jake Muzzin in practice. He probably tweaks something, his hamstring or his knee or this and that. He most likely could have played through it with the injury, but because Toronto has this lead, they could say, you know what, Mitch, take a couple days off. Take two, three games off. We'll see you next week. That, that's a luxury that they have earned because they've been playing really, really good hockey and they have some points. But if you're a team who's just fighting tooth and nail, you have to play through these injuries. You have to suck it up because you stunk the first two months of the season. It's just the nature of the beast, man, like a cause and effect. If you don't play good at the beginning of the season and you're playing catch up, you have to play through these injuries. Whereas these teams now, it's like, okay, we can massage our guys. We can get them back full strength. We don't have to rush them. And that does affect teams when it gets to playoff time if you can ice a team that's fresh that's healthy that's energetic ready to go that hasn't been grinding it out for the last two three months that's so much more of a benefit 
to, to have that. And so you're going to see it. And it's just, you have to start the season strong. Most people think, Oh, it's 82 games. We'll play better. We'll get going. We'll get going. No, every single game is important. I saw that my first year I was with the Minnesota wild. We were fighting tooth and nail for a playoff drive. And I, I came on with the team and around Christmas time and it really started to take off, not because of me, but the team started to play a lot better, but we, we missed out the playoffs by one point. And you go back and you circle games in the calendar. It's like, gosh, we how do we lose to that team and that team and that team and that team? Like teams that we have no business losing to. But you don't think about that. You're like, oh, it's a game in September, October. It's not a big deal. Fast forward to March and it's like, golly, like we really let a lot of points slip away. And that's, it happens every single year. Every single year teams miss out by one point. And it's like, huh, how did we lose to Ottawa? in December. Like, how does that happen? And so it is what it is. It's just, it's the NHL. All right, moving on. Get slapped to the IR week to week with a lower body injury. Pretty big deal. Or not? they got, they got uh, Isaac Lundstrom. They do have Lundstrom. He scored the other night. He's having a great start to the season. He's no Troy Terry, but that's okay. He scores um, every night. Lundstrom kids. Unbelievable. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, this, this is a blow. Like you mentioned, like Anaheim's in a similar position, not quite as good as Toronto, obviously, but they've they've won a bunch of games early on where they've built a little bit of a, a padding with the numbers where they hopefully they can, they can you know, tread water while Getzloff is out. But this is certainly uh, a big loss for them because he's he's the guy still. Yeah, he's we'll keep an eye on that. that. Offense. We'll definitely keep an eye on that. Um, on the other side of the country, the New York Rangers, Igor Shashushkin, is down. They got Alexander Gregoriev. Obviously, he's he's a one of their two-headed monster out there in New York. The goaltenders have been playing great. Big deal. Gregoriev is a young kid. Can he handle the reins now? Shashirshkin, he's out for what a couple weeks. Nothing too major, but is that something we keep an eye on? Because do you want to give these kids that much game time? Are you worried about them getting overwhelmed, or is this is this okay? Uh, George Georgiev, Georgiev is the other guy, not Kogorov, but this is a loss. I mean, Shesterkin is bad. I was literally staring at his name and I called him Gregorov. And I'm not even <laughs> doing this on purpose. Alexander Georgiev. Sorry, everybody. Shesterkin <laughs> <laughs> um, has arguably been the best goal in the league so far. Definitely top three. Like, he's just, he's been lights out. And, it's it's uh it's a loss for them, but the Rangers are playing really well. They're nine and one in their last ten. I think they're what are they second in their division right now? Yeah. Um so yeah, it's a loss, but they'll be fine. Totally agree. All right, McDavid picks up a five minute major, that goon, that disgusting hit he laid on Kempe. Did you see that play? Just dangerous. I did. I mean, probably warranted a major. I think I think the Oilers fans are frustrated because he gets hit every single night, slashed, tripped, hooked, boarded, and they hardly. He's like one of the least penalized against players in the league. Um, so I think they just want. They're hoping that they this it should go both ways. But he's the hit itself, sh- he's just got to shut up and play the game, as John Tortorella would say. I like that, yeah, advice. yeah. I like that yeah. Definitely, definitely warranted the uh, the boot though. What I noticed after that play. And we talked about it before the show. Cooch, or so he hits Kempe. Kempe goes down. Kopitar comes in and grabs McDavid and pushes him up against the boards. And there's another guy there for Edmonton. I think it was Butcher. Will Butcher is his name, I want to say. Correct me if I'm wrong. But Butcher's standing right there, and he's watching McDavid be held up against – is it Butcher or is it Bouchard? Bouchard. Think, Evan Bouchard. I'm thinking Butcher. Anyways, it's Bouchard. 
he's watching his best player on ever on the franchise, like get choke slammed up against the boards. And it may, it might not have seemed like a big deal to you. It, it, it was a very big deal to me. Why does Bouchard let Kopitar do that? I was just thinking back, if that's Wayne Gretzky, do you think Marty McSorley is going to let that happen? Do you think Dave Samanko is going to let that happen? Not a chance. I don't care if it's Kopitar. I don't care if it's anybody. You get that guy off of your best player. You don't touch Connor McDavid. I don't care what Connor McDavid does. He can spear someone in the face. You do not touch Connor McDavid. And that that was I noticed that it was only like a heartbeat of a thing where Kopitar holds him up against the glass. No, 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 no. You don't touch my guy. I don't care what he does. That's the rule. He's untouchable. I was thinking maybe just because it was Kopitar, like if it was Brendan Lemieux, I'm sure there's there's a scrum starting. There's there's someone's taking notice, but because it's Kopitar, you give him just a little bit of wiggle room. Didn't last very long. He let go, and then if he held on, maybe there would have started something. I don't know. Now, Bouchard had already left the scrum, and Kopitar still had his arm on. It was just it's it's the it's the state of the game. It's just you know nobody's tough anymore. All right, one more thing: Kucherov back skating multiple weeks away from returning, but that's a good sign. Does Tampa Bay need him? Are they, are they still going to be fine without him, Tim? They'll be fine. They will They'll be, be just fine. fine. They'll be just fine, especially when you got Detroit and Boston chasing you. Detroit's been playing really good. Detroit will make the playoffs. Boston no. will not. No. I'll bet breakfast with you on that one. You're moving anyways. You're, you're going to have to send me breakfast over DoorDash. You honestly believe at this point Boston's a better team than Detroit? Yes. Why? Yes. How can you say that? Uh, with a straight face. With a straight face. So no smiling allowed. Um, I mean, John, they've, they've, they've played four less games and they have four fewer points. Boston, they means if they go 500 over four games, they're, they're tied with them. You know what I mean? Like this is, they're not a better team. They have a, they're just a better top to bottom, better offense, better defense. Mm, very equal goaltending. Although too, cause they're saying he's going to come back. He's been talking to the Bruins. He's feeling he's been skating with the team. He's he's looking good. I can't even I can't even continue with the show. It's such an asinine thing to say. They are not better top to bottom. They are not. They have a better first line. That's it. Bergeron, Pasternak, and Marchand are better than Detroit's first line. After that, Detroit is negative in goal differential. This is this is a team that's that's won. It, it's a, some puck luck. It's some some you know clutch overtime wins. This is not a better team than Boston. No way. This is a team that had to find their way. They were a young team trying to sort out what kind of team they are. They've been playing lights out the last I would say month. They've been playing really really good hockey. Boston's trending down. Detroit's trending up, and you just can't no. handle it. You six can't three and one in their last ten. They're not trending down. Ooh, you can't Boston? just say stuff, John. Yes, you can't just say things. Zero three and one in their last four. Uh, they didn't. They didn't win six in a row. You just saying stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Detroit's better. We'll we'll see at the end of the season. I honestly believe Detroit will make it, and Boston won't. That'd be great. The only way I want Boston to make it is that they play Toronto first round. That's the only reason I want them in. But they won't because Florida's going to win this division. So I don't want them to play Toronto in the first round. And you want them to play Florida? I don't. I think they'll lose no matter who they play, and I don't want them to lose to the Maple Leafs. Did I don't you want see that. Moe Sider's overtime goal? Whew. Did I ever? Beautiful. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. Yeah. You remember we had him on? Too. Far side show. You didn't know he was. Moe Sider. I, I pretty much raised the kid. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, then, points bet, Tim. We almost points forgot. Bet. 
I got to pick my pick. Yourself? Yeah. Um, I'm going to bet there's a game tonight. Ottawa Senators are playing the Devils. Two kind of bottom-ish teams. Ottawa's underdog. I'm going to pick them to win. They've won two in a row. The Devils have lost three in a row. I see the, both those trends continuing. Ottawa's plus 150 to win outright tonight. I'm picking the Senators. How do you bet on a game that you don't even want to watch? It's better that way. Because I don't really care about the outcome. I'm We're going to be I'm watching not, Monday no Night emotions. Football tonight. Tim and I are going out. We're going to watch Monday Night Football. I have a couple brewskis. Watch my Bills crush the Pats for first place in the AFC East. Oh, it's going to be epic. It's an 8-15 game, John. That's pretty late for you. That's fine. My wife has choir until 8 o'clock, so I wouldn't be able to get away anyways until before then. So it works out good. It's going to be perfect. And then I can go to bed, a happy man, my tummy full of chicken wings, and a couple brewskis. It'll be fun. All right, everybody. That's enough. I've had enough. I got to get to uh, get to work. You guys go to work. Thank you for listening to the show. We really appreciate the support. We'll talk to you guys on Wednesday. We'll have another inter- interview this week. It'll be fun. Yeah, working on it. Working on it. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.